Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Caitlin and with me today are... Jake. Chris. Ames. And Liz. Yay, Liz! Liz! I'm How'd back. How'd you get in here? Told you never to call me on this screen. I'm not good at social distancing. <laughs> this All right. is an unlisted We're... wall. <laughs> Holy shit, can we 10 forward that? Can't see why not. Yes. Awesome. Yes. That's okay. one of few things we should. After Dune. Oh, yeah, we should do Dune, too. I would definitely do Dune. I've never seen it. I'm so glad you finally agree. Well, we are here today to discuss two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, But not Dune? What's wrong with us? And Rejoined? Reunited? Rejoined. Rejoined. Reunited and it feels Feels so good. good. What was in that first indiscretion, one? Indiscretion, yes. What? Indiscretion. I'm just remembering what the first one was. So in Indiscretion, we find out from Kira's friend Roska that they have a lead on a ship, the Ravenok, uh, that is a Cardassian ship that was carrying civilians, but also Bajoran slaves, and also a couple of other passengers. What? So Kira's like, well, I gotta go check it out because my buddy was on there. My buddy's name was Razka Karn. No, that's the info dude. Sorry. My friend, so Kira's friend on this ship was Lorit Akrem. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I'm sure I'm not. And I think they were resistance buddies back in the day. She's been trying to figure out what happened. So she's like, I'm going to go down, try to track it down and see if I can find it. And the Cardassians are kind of like, okay, but you have to bring one of our people as well. And their people that's going is Goldicott, recently Ooh. elected to the civilian civilian government. And uh, this episode is so weird tonally because they set off together and it's like, you know, we're like mortal enemies. But then, you know, they find the planet where the ship crashed and they're having chuckles about Goldicott like sits on a rock spine or some shit and Kira has to yank it out of his ass and they both have a great fucking giggle over this and it's so weird but then they find you know they find the broken down ship and they find some Cardassian burial mounds and Goldicott is like I don't want you like helping me do this because you know Cardassians are really private about their bodies after death And Kara's like, okay, I'll do some other research on the ship and whatever. We find there's this great scene where Goldicott pulls like uh, a bracelet and a Cardassian earring majig out of one of the burial mounds. And he has a sad and it's like, oh, he had a special friend on this ship. Well, he didn't just have a special friend. He also had a half Bajoran, half Cardassian baby with his mistress. Womp womp. Womp womp indeed. But in true Galdicott fashion, he's not on this mission so he can find his long lost daughter and bring her home. He's on this mission to find his daughter and kill the fuck out of her. What the fuck? I mean, what do you expect? So they find out that everybody that was on board was either killed or taken captive by the Breen. And the Breen have enslaved them to do some mine work shit, which is like, at least for the Cardassians, that kind of feels like 
going around, coming around to me after what they did to the Bajorans. So fuck them. Still don't think slavery is good. Just saying that couldn't happen to nicer people. And so this whole time now, Kira's like, I'm not going to let you kill your daughter. And Galdicott's like, fuck you. Family's really important. And Kira's like, okay, but like, then why are you going to kill your daughter? What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, we also find out that his daughter, um, his, his girlfriend, his daughter's mom, she is dead. That's what was in the barrel mind. I guess I already said that. Sorry. So they hatch a daring escape plan and they like kill some Breen guards and they get to talk to some of their allies. And like, there was this great moment. It made me think of like when the people in the big brother house must have heard about the coronavirus where Kira's like, no, no, the war's over. And they're like, what the (laughs) fuck? So that was cool. But then we finally find the daughter, Torziel, and there's this like square off moment. And she's like, daddy, I knew you'd come. And he's like, yeah, I did. And I came loaded, bitch. And he whips out his gun and she's like, (laughs) I'd rather die than live without you, dad. He's like, what the fuck, Goldicott? And Kira busts in like, don't do it, bitch. And he doesn't. And they all go home and everyone lives happily ever after, I guess. Maybe. I don't really know how it's going to work, but fine. Accurate. So happily ever after, forever and ever. Nothing will change this. You forgot the terrible B plot. Oh, wait, let me check my notes. B plot was fine. Cassidy Cassidy rocks everyone's socks, so the B plot was fine. Oh my god, that was this episode? Yeah. Okay, so the B plot really quickly is that Cassidy Hart sis. and she's like gotten this great job offer from Bajor so she could live closer and maybe she could get quarters on the ship or the space station I would fucking call it a ship and that would be great wouldn't it and Sisko's like that's a big step or big step whatever the fuck he says and the whole ship is like you're an idiot why would you say that and Cassidy's like well fine if you want to be a bitch then that's fine and that also all works out and it's happily ever after because she takes the job anyway because she's like, you think I'm going to give up a great job for a fucking man? I don't think so. I'm Cassidy Yates. She's great. Um, Cisco gets his head out of his ass and we're going to keep seeing each other and everybody's happy. And he leans in to kiss her at the end and she's like, uh-uh, you haven't deserved that. Fuck you. And walks away yeah, and I nope. love her. <laughs> yeah, she's Trump. great. Sorry, I forgot uh, that. Oh, but yes. So that, yeah, that's part of what I really loathed about that B-plot was like, they spent so long writing Cisco as not a stereotype, and now he's a guy with commitment issues. It's like, fucking really? I Fucking, I, fucking really? I rather liked that it was, I mean, it's a stereotype, and I rolled my eyes because, you know, it was just like an echo of TNG, like, girls and boys yeah. do this. But the way he plays it was, it was kind of refreshing to see Cisco like, being human. Yeah, it's funny because like, I didn't see him as a guy. Problems. I didn't see him as a guy with commitment issues. I saw him as a guy who the last relationship he was in, his wife died, and it's hard to open back up again. Well, and that's how they kind of played it off in the very last scene. But I feel like it was a disservice the way they did it. Like they should have just from the off had him be like, because I feel like they still could have had him be honest from the beginning, and she still could have been like, "Well, yeah, but it's my life, asshole." Mm. Like I don't know, just just. The way they did it to me was very bad. Yeah, I think the thing that that unites the two episodes that we're covering today is it's all gossip behind people's backs. Let's talk Mm. about how Cisco's relationship is weird. Oh, that'll be a big step. Shut up, Cisco. Shut up, um, Dax and Bashir. (laughs) Jesus, grow up. Yeah, they are pretty gossipy. Mm. It gave Dax something to uh, focus on other than bullying. 
I mean, it's still boys, Please. though. It just happens to be this boy. Yeah, it's a different boy. But someone else's relationship. Yeah, I feel like yeah, this, I is, this is like Dax the People Watcher. Yeah, her and... Uh, I, I like her and Julian being, like, gossipy together way better than Julian being Niles at her. Yes, I, I agree. I prefer them as yeah, bosom buddies that's, that's rather better. than... Like, I agree, and I'm glad, I'm glad it's finally moving boy. in that direction. Yeah, yeah. thank Christ. Ugh. But I also, I don't know, I, I found the whole, you know, everyone gossiping and weighing in on the relationship, I don't know. I just, I found that whole part a little tiresome. Yeah, oh no, the whole B-plot was bad. Well, but that's, that's partly because, like, that's how their whole relationship has been. Like, True. in the beginning, it was like, are you going to ask out Cassidy? When are you going to take Cassidy out? Guys, Cassidy's really great. No, oh, no, and now true. it's, oh, is she moving shit. in? Ooh. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's fitting. Just, what I, so it's what I do like about the B-plot... Oh, sorry, Liz, go ahead. It's cool. Uh, so what I do like about the B-plot is that it's just... Like, watching this made me realize just what makes Cassidy work. Like, she's a good foil for Ben in general. You know, she's got a very strong personality. She has a knack for, you know, like, you know, pushing back at him and kind of, you know, putting him in his place for once. They definitely have, you know, she's a strong enough personality because she, she, she feels more complete than, you know, another character that, who might have been written as a love interest for a central character. Like, she feels yeah, more true. developed even though she only appears to be around Cisco. Like, she really, she, she shows up to be, to be a, a romantic interest. She doesn't have her own, her own episode. She doesn't get her own subplots, really, that we've seen so far. She shows up to play opposite Cisco, and she still feels like she can stand on her own two feet as a character and as a person. Absolutely. She's, she's incredibly independent. She runs her own business. She has her name, like, brandished all over her property and ship. Like, yeah, she's a winner. Without I Cisco, like she's still fine. With Cisco, she's fine, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, speaking of people in interesting relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Ducat hearts na pram. Let's talk about uh, war brides. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, Caitlin mentioned it, but my problem with the A-plot was just that it was a tonal disaster. It was okay. total disaster? To tonal. tonal. It was like very whiplashy. It was all over the place. It. I feel like you could have dropped the terrible B plot, focused just on the main plot, and given it the gravity it deserved. It I think it had gravity. Problem. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I'd like to know more about why you feel that it lacked gravity. I just think, not to answer for Chris, but there were parts of it that felt like it was like a buddy comedy, like on the road, trying to find whatever, mm. like hangover Star Trek or like, something. Yeah, it was like them being sort of, you know, snippy to each other in the shuttle, which was sort of um, not blatantly comedic, but definitely more on the light side. And then you had that the butt idiotic scene. butt scene, which like, <laughs> that shouldn't be in the same episode as... I have an illegitimate daughter with a woman I raped. And I'm going to oh, kill her. That's funny, because I don't notice that that... Because the thing is, it's all the same character. And, and I think the episode is trying to do two things, and maybe you're, the, the two things aren't melding for you. But the two things that it's doing is it's exploring the, the sides of the Cardassian new government that we want to now be friends with. And we want to see the... I want to say human side, but they're not human. The the person, the person-y side of these people and how we can still have relate, have, have 
ways that we can relate with them that we understand. Like everyone understands what it's like to sit on a thorn. It sucks. It's something we connect on. But the things that we don't connect on are, you know, how they run their their lives, which is still true. Yeah, I guess I didn't... I, that... There's nothing that contradicts another thing in this episode. Dukat is all these things. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think of it. I think the problem is just that, like, the butt scene was so over-the-top comedic. Like, I just... If that had been done more subtly, maybe it wouldn't have bothered me as much. Yeah, I know but, the writers specifically picked something for Kira and Dukat to kind of connect on. And the connecting scene was, yeah, it was, it was funny because they wanted them laughing because they wanted them to, like, start to understand each other more. Yeah. If not as individuals, then as, you know, they are both people. Maybe if he'd, like, stepped on something. But having just a five-inch spike in his ass was just... Like, it, at, at the time, during the scene, I was like, oh, okay, this is, I mean, it's a little silly, but okay. It's like, ha, 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 I need to kill my illegitimate daughter. Well, <laughs> like, it was just too, like, I get what you're saying, and you're right. That's clearly, in retrospect, what they were trying to do. But the, the variance was so big that I was just like, ah, whoa, hold on. I will give you that. I, did, I found that scene particularly jarring. Like, it was, it was, uh, it was a huge just left turn into levity to swerve right back into the serious plot. I like I I think it makes sense what they were trying to do with it. Yeah. Maybe ease up on the butt thing. I think it was, yeah. it, the, you know what the thing was the thing was it wasn't even the thorn that bothered me and I particularly enjoyed his delivery of just I sat on something. But um <laughs> yeah. It was it was the like, I mean, he was trying to use the fucking, whatever, that device on, on his butt to... Oh, the dermal regenerator oh, thing? Yeah. yeah, but it just, you know, when it, the, you know, and the gag is that it wasn't working because it wasn't using it right, but it just looked like he was scratching his butt, and I was like, this is, this is a bit much. This is... Have you used the dermal funny. regenerator, Liz? No, my butt is invincible. I mean, it was also, like, Federation tech, so who yeah. knows? I used tech. liquid skin once. But, yeah, I don't know, crazy I think... Thing. You know, one of the, you know, the, the, the sort of the thing that I kept noticing about this was they were demonstrating how charming Ducat can be. And oh, not necessarily is. with the butt scene, but with, you know, like the the scenes in the runabout, you know, where he, he is. He's a very charming man. He's he, you know, he's got good humor and he can be very, you know, put on this kind demeanor to the point where Kira, who is someone who loathes him to her core can be drawn in and find herself laughing at his jokes and and sharing a moment of oh you got something in the butt <laughs> let's be fair nothing's funnier than your enemy getting a spike well in that's your ass. true but they but that's the true. problem was no, they were laughing together, together about yes it. no I and know. i think that that was the thing that this episode was was trying to show is that yeah ducat's a fucking snake you yeah. know he can literally yeah mm. You know, we know now that he had a Bajoran mistress. At least this one. Probably at least more. one Bajoran mistress who presumably was also drawn in uh, yeah. by this by this performance that he does. Possibly. But then, you know, so like Kira kind of lets her guard down. She kind of lets herself become a little vulnerable around him. And then when she realizes, oh, wait, no, this is just fucking Guldacott doing Guldacott shit. See, um, this, this never would have happened if they hadn't changed her costume. <laughs> clearly, clearly. She should uh, wear that, that green costume all the time. 
Um, I, I kind of appreciate, you know, the the nuance that they continue to pack into the Ducat character. Absolutely. Um, you know, where he could just be a straight villain, and a lot of the times he is, but he's also someone that, you know, is likable uh, on a personal level yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah, no, I mean, that's huge credit to the actor there. Yeah, Mark Alamo is, is stunning as the character, and it's not just all neck. It's also yeah. like he's got this, he's got the swagger. He's got such skinny legs. He doesn't really skinny notice, legs, that's but... weird. Yeah, when they're walking through the dunes in that really, really, uh, I forget what the what place they had to go shoot uh, that at, but it was all, you know, it's the place where it's always 100 degrees out. God, that must have been sweltering oh, in that makeup in those costumes. Oh, it so much. Oh, yeah, with the makeup, too. Fuck. But, you yeah, know, as he's walking along, it's like he's just really live, this man, and so much neck. But, and he can, you know, I know we've talked about this before, but, like, and, yeah, like, Cardassian makeup is among, in some ways, the lighter as far as allowing you to express goes. But still, being able to act very well through makeup is not a universal skill, and he has it. Mm, he he certainly does. True. So what I found really interesting about this episode is... That's right, because you asked to be on this episode, Liz. I did. I really find this episode interesting because it really, like, this is an episode that really makes Ducat compelling as a villain and as an antagonist or and or as an antagonist and it's like it's his uh his bajoran fever it's how he and it's how he perceives the relationships because we're only getting one side of the picture here true and and, so the prem is dead so we don't get to mm -hmm. hear her side we know zial loves him which is interesting it's but there's so there's so many possibilities here because because like as as we've already discussed he's so charming he's so compelling Mm -hmm. it's entirely possible that you know that it's it's extremely possible that zial's mother was not a willing participant in this relationship you know uh, how you know and you know regardless of what she thought of ducat if he spent all of his time with with zial growing up she would have she could have developed a, a completely different image and idea of him from her mother you know, her mother might might have sat there harboring resentment and anger and possibly even hatred toward Ducat, but all Zial would see was the here comes, you know, here comes daddy, he's gonna come and take me for a walk, and he brought me a present, and he's got sweet words for me. Yeah, and we know yeah. that the Ravenach was, or at least we get from Ducat that the Ravenach was taking them to effectively some sanctuary so mm-hmm. that they wouldn't be, you know, stuck under Cardassian occupation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, so like... So what what's you know the the other the other relationship to consider in comparison to Neprem that's her name Neprem to Dukat and Neprem is the way Dukat is starting to warm up to Kira. Mhm. Because and I mean I read I think I saw it in, in Memory Alpha that it mentioned that it was decided that there was that that there's there's not going to be anything between Kira and Dukat. Like Kira oh, is not interested. But Kira, du- Kira thinks him as Hitler, so. But Dukat doesn't realize that. Like Marco Lemo plays it plays it so that Dukat doesn't realize it. It's very evident that Dukat thinks we're starting to we're starting to connect <laughs> you and me. It's gonna be <laughs> and she's like no, absolutely Never. not. <laughs> not one day. But the way he is toward her, like, he's playing it like it's a romance. This is, you know, so who's to say that this isn't just a repeat of the way it was with him in the Prem? Yeah. The way he yeah, that, reacted, I mean, you know, finding that... her, her love, the, the, the love token or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that that is, I think what we're finding out is that Dukat, I don't know, he, he clearly has a thing for Bajoran women. Yeah, he's and, kind of a hopeless romantic in that regard. But it's probably also, I mean, it's, it's horrible, right? Because it's a, it's a power thing as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
you know, I think one, you know, historical comparison you could make would be the, um, you know, the Thomas Jefferson situation, Mm. right? You know, where... Sally Hemings. He had... Yeah. And I think uh, also of um, Nazi camp leaders and whatnot that would take Jewish mistresses as well. I actually, I watched uh, watched a movie that this episode uh, is kind of reminiscent of. Um, oh yeah, I meant to watch. Do, it's called. Where is? Oh, I'm looking at the wrong card. That's why it's called. Isn't that like the Searchers? The Searchers. Yeah, hmm. the Searchers. It's a John Wayne movie from like oh, 1956 yeah. or so. I watched it this past week. It also stars an extra young Jeffrey Hunter, and hot damn, does he look like a young Anson Mount? Like, <laughs> wow, the casting okay. is so perfect because the two of them look so amazingly alike, and they got the fucking giant blue eyes. They're gorgeous. Uh, but this movie, it's all about, it's supposed to be one of the best Westerns in existence. And I watch it and maybe I'm just not a Western person or maybe like in current times, it's really hard to watch Westerns because the idea of this movie is a bunch of uh, Comanche Indians kidnaps a couple of the daughters of this little ranch, essentially, out in Texas or Arizona or somewhere over there. And John Wayne and Jeffrey Hunter vow to go save the girls and bring them home and like six years pass and they finally figure out where they are and they find the girl and she's been basically being raised amongst the native americans and basically is thinks of herself as native american now and says i don't want to go with you i want i have to stay here so john wayne decides well i should kill you then because you're better off dead than living with these people and Jeffrey Hunter tries to stop him, and Jeffrey Hunter, you know, jumps in front of her in this really nice scene where he jumps in front of her and says, no, don't shoot her. And he's like, I must shoot her. And the very, very end scene, I'll ruin this, you know, 60-year-old movie for everybody, Oh, is he finally tracks her down and corners her in a cave and, and grabs her. And you think, oh, no, is he going to kill her? And then he hugs her and says, we're going to go home. Hmm. So that sounds The setup is very similar to Dances with Wolves, but the conclusion... Is isn't a problem. It's a little different. Yeah, I, I, I've always said the best westerns come from other countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like you mean like the spaghetti westerns and the 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 many westerns that Kurosawa made, but they were technically samurai films. Yeah, they were just. Samurai but they were films definitely westerns. Yeah. 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 I never was able to get into John Wayne westerns. I don't know if it's just like John Wayne himself is off-putting to me, but. Well, they're well, they're like, just. I like a lot of the Clint Eastwood westerns. Those are pretty good. Well, because those ones again, they're 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 foreign, so they're not as caught up. I it's impossible to make a western in this country without, in some way, shape, or form, commenting on, reacting to, or reveling in the like cowboy mythos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it's when it's international one, they're working with tropes, but also like it's not part of their mythos, so it's easier for them to kind of play with it, deconstruct it, whether intentionally or not. And the Italian ones, you know, are much more cynical. Everyone's dirty as they would have been back then. <laughs> uh, they're very dark. Some of them are just downright nihilistic. Yeah. Um, what ones are you thinking of, Chris? Uh, oh, gosh. I mean, in general, the Sergio Leone ones are, you know, they really, they're what turn spaghetti westerns from kind of a cheap novelty into a serious vein of cinema Hmm. but he then kicked off a whole bunch there's one i cannot think of that features klaus kinski as the villain what Um, and yeah 
And oh, it no. is one of the most fucking nihilistic films I have ever seen. Yeah, no, spaghetti westerns are excellent. As are, again, you know, the samurai westerns of Kurosawa, which is why they ripped one off to make uh, for a fistful of dollars. I'm sorry, you mean a fistful of datas? That too. <laughs> it wasn't even a fistful, there were only two. I will Not say enough that, datas. Uh, but yeah, Wayne's obviously tend to be reveling very much in the mythos. They're rarely questioning it or, or shining a light on it. I will say the original um, True Grit's not bad, but the remake's better. Hmm. Yeah, it's extra hard to like The Searchers because, you know, John Wayne comes back after having fought in the Civil War for the Confederacy, and he's like, oh, I only belong to one to one nation, and it's the Confederate nation. And you're like, oh, ugh! Yeah. I don't like you. I hope, you, I hope your, your niece kills you. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie, dear. Let Jeffrey Hunter slaughter you. Okay. Do it. <laughs> With his pretty eyes. Got very pretty uh, eyes. That's true. Maybe he should put his head on a pike. Uh, uh, that's that was oh yeah. Good work. Yeah. That sure did I, that. I think the searchers, isn't that very loosely based? Like very loosely based on a true story? Yeah, it is, because yeah, I didn't read too too much about it, just because I'm I'm sure a lot of it is lost to time. But yeah, they, apparently there were a couple instances like this from the from the past. Yeah, because I remember seeing once a photo of a of a woman who had been, you know, taken at an early age and then was quote unquote rescued by her fellow mm. honkies. Oh, it there's such me a of, uh, the one with the ch- the the Cardassian child raised by Bajorans. What was that called? Oh, oh, what was that called? I don't know. Wasn't the abandoned? That was the other one. But yeah, that that one. Yeah, this is kind of, I guess, almost like Cardassians. The... It was just called Cardassians. Oh yeah, it's Cardassians. Yeah. Huh. No, there was a really, really cringeworthy scene in The Searchers where Jeffrey Hunter is trying to like make some trades with the with the Comanche people and accidentally buys one of them to be his wife. Oh, oh God! And it's Whoops. really squicky, and you're like, "Fuck this!" No, that, that was a thing. That Other actually then wacky hijinks where they oh, tried well... to communicate with each other and shit. Yep, yep. Until she ran away and got killed. Oh, oh Jesus! Awesome. Wow. That actually I mean, reminds good, me good of another for running thought. away. Not so much the dying part. Yeah, no, but of course the movie punches her for it. It actually reminds me of a thought going back on like the other comparisons we were making to like. Nazi camps and and the quote unquote mistresses there. My first thought actually went in the other direction to Japan. Not just well, it would be partially like you know the the what's it the 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 comfort women. So it was you know uh, okay. You oh, yeah. know there were it was in multiple directions when you talk about the Japanese occupation of China and then when the U.S. moved on into Japan and we started doing our shenanigans there. But like you know a th- like thoughts were occurring to me as I'm watching Dukat's reactions and and. And listening to how he talks about things in this episode, he's because he talks very paternalistically about the Bajoran, the the Cardassian occupation. Yeah. How you know, like, really, we did them a favor. They're stronger than ever now because of us. You know, oh, they yeah, wouldn't be this strong without us. And then thinking of you know, in extension, how how do those views connect to his romantic inclinations toward Bajoran women, toward yeah. toward Naprem and toward Kira? You know, does he, is this like a geisha complex? Like, you know, they're, oh, they're just so much more submissive. They're, you know, like Bajoran women are just so exotic and interesting that way or whatever. God, like, it was already gross and you've made it worse. It's so, I just, like, he's, he's just, this is oh, just he's, really yeah, gross. No he's, no, he's awful. 
I mean, I, compelling as fuck to watch. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, but he's, but the whole time, like, there are times where you're just seeing him, he's genuinely sad, or at least, he, you know, the, in the private moments that we're seeing with him when he has Kira turn away, he's genuinely sad about Naprem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he probably yeah. is genuine, he's probably convinced, convinces himself that he's genuinely, you know, falling for Kira. Like, there, so there's something almost sympathetic about him. Almost. Yeah, but it's but- all just on this gross, oily foundation. Yeah, and for all we know, I mean, it was a, you know, a consensual relationship, and and there was mutual love between between them. We hear from him. We hear from him. So we don't a we don't really know, and b even in that scenario, you know, what was the, I mean, the the power dynamic between them makes makes it gross no matter what. Yeah, yeah. You know where like. Could she have said no? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to be with right. you. Probably you know, not. Probably not. Not if she didn't want to work in the mines or whatever, you know? Yeah. 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 So here's a question about the, the timeline, because we learn that Ziao, and I'm assuming it's when the Ravenock went down that she was 13. And six years have passed, so she's probably, she's yes. supposed to be 19 she's now. She's 19. What was, like, how long was... Major under Cardassian occupation? Because in that case, you know, and also granted, I don't know, like, whose years they're counting this in. Because mm. that's something we never quite grasp could be different on other planets. But, you know, just the terms that, you know, he, his daughter has been around for 13 years already, and he already, you know, is put, putting her on another planet. Yeah, I think I think they said that. I think I remember someone saying that the occupation was something like 60 years. Oh, wow. That sounds right. I was going to say something yeah, like 50. Yeah. Um, like Kira was definitely born into it. Yeah. 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 So long. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So uh we mentioned in passing the the Breen. Mm-hmm. How did they get those costumes? <laughs> they just show up and the in Britain uh Ducat and Kira are randomly in Breen costumes. Did they bring them with them? Oh, I figured they knocked somebody out. Yeah, yeah. they pulled a yeah. they pulled a Star Wars. Yeah. Appropriately enough. Yeah, I did read that because they had put so much work into all the different species and, and Klingons and folk in Way of the Warrior that they're like, oh my god, we don't have time to come up with a new species and their makeup and what they look like and how they dress. Let's just make them a costume so we don't have to do makeup on them. So they made the Breen these spe- this species that can't really be out of their mask things on hot planets, mm. Jake, which was a Jake. good way to do it. Jake, could you do me a favor? Could yeah. you make the nerd screech sound? I can't do it as well as you. In one of the early mentions of the Breen, in the episode Hero Worship, part of the reason they know the boy's story is suspect is because he mentions they wear helmets. And they make a big point of the fact that the Breen don't wear helmets. I have been keeping that in my back pocket since I watched that fucking episode several years ago. I'm sorry you had to watch Hero Worship, Chris. Oh, been waiting to say that for so long. Well, I'm sorry Necessity had to make them eat those words. Yeah. Also, as I said before we started recording, seriously, guys... It's just Leia's outfit from Return of the Jedi when she breaks into Jabba's palace. Yeah, what the yeah fuck? it totally it's, is. It is very, very similar. It's the same. They are the same. Like, I briefly, I, I took a second to look it up, and apparently, allegedly, they were like, oh, we want it to look like the Arctic Wolf. It's like, fuck you. It's that thing from Star Wars. 
They probably just got those, like, bagged Halloween costumes of, like, <laughs> undercover Leia at yeah. the spirit of Halloween. And they were like, all right, mm. here, put these on. I don't know. I think, I think both Kira and Dukat looked great in, like, the shoulder pads and shit, though. Oh, yeah, with, like, the little snout off. It, it was very... Did, uh, did they manage to get Kira one with a little uh, V-neck so that she <laughs> oh, wouldn't yeah. look uh, difficult to approach? She still has oh, to wear right. her high heels, of course. Oh, well, thank God. So, oh, that must so be why she was having much that... trouble in that sand. Everyone has trouble walking in sand. I feel like Marco Lemo kept falling into it, like, up to his fucking knee. Oh, did anybody else his, notice that? His legs are so thin. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what can. made me think about it when we were talking about how skinny his legs were. Yes, I was like, oh, opposite... that explains why he was just sinking directly into the sand. Yeah, it's the opposite <laughs> of a snowshoe. It's, <laughs> it's in fact the same as a high heel. Or it's yeah. like when a cat walks on you because they have such tiny feet. Oh my god, oh. it fucking hurts. There's just so yeah. much pressure per foot, and they always know the tenderest spots to say step it's, on. It's also because they've secretly like trained with the League of Assassins, and they know <laughs> all the, the soft kill you easily points. Speaking of, of secret assassins, yes. Oh. we meet Kira's friend Raska, played amazingly by uh, the, the same guy who played uh, Serena Kohlrabi in... The War Games episode. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. So funny. The, the, the finger milking yeah. guy. We remember yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. Isn't Kohlrabi a vegetable? He's thinking, thinking of broccoli, broccoli rub. rub. Thinking of broccoli rub? No, Kohlrabi is a vegetable. It's on Which I think you said in that episode. Awesome. Consistency <laughs> is really important. But yeah. So he's a maquis, right? And well, he's certainly working with the maquis. Yeah, he, he, like, you know, he smuggles stuff them for shit. them or yeah. something, yeah. Yeah, like he's like he may not mm-hmm. be directly with them, but he brings them things. But he's also bringing Kira things. It seems uh, like know. a weird relationship for Kira to be, you know, good buddies with the Maquis. Well, I don't know. Well, I think that you know, like there's there. I think that there are there's probably a good amount of overlap between former Bajoran resistance people and Maquis okay. people since they they have similar. Goals, right? They're both- and I'm sure a lot of the Maquis are former Bajoran resistance as well. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, well, we know. I mean, like you know, Rolaren, right? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. But I mean, it's not like she's she's not necessarily buddies with the Maquis. She's buddies with this guy who also happens to be. They have a mutual friend. That's like yeah, she's like, I- she's someone who's used to working in a gray area. Yeah, yeah I think there's exactly. enough plausible deniability for her there that that's why she can get away with it. Yeah. And she's yeah, not going to mention not, it to Cisco. No, <laughs> not just that. I mean, the the Maquis are enemies of the Federation. Yeah, they're not necessarily enemies of Bajor. Bajor. Well, Although, and she's not. Kira isn't Starfleet, right? Exactly. She's still she's officially Bajoran, like liaison so, to Bajor or whatever. So but, she, I don't know. Like, if even if he was Maquis, like if he was, if Cisco might be obligated to do something, but. Kira is probably not. Luckily, like, Cisco I'm guessing Bajor just kind of turns a blind eye yeah. to the Maquis. And luckily, activity. Cisco is busy having a tiff with his woman. So, mm. well, but also the one, the other thing though is now that there is a formal treaty between Cardassia and Bajor, and the Maquis are also an enemy of Cardassia, that does make things a little more like iffy for her. Mm. She gets a pass though because Cardassia, or at least Galdakat, also had a vested interest in finding yeah. this ship. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm curious, what does the Maquis think of the new civilian government on Cardassia? That is a good point. Like, are they just putting mm-hmm. themselves on pause and waiting because they just know Cardassia is going to go military again in a hot second? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I mean, the question. Maquis' whole thing is to get, is to liberate the colonies that were traded away to the uh, 
Cardassians as part of the Federation treaty, right? Like that's that's their reason for being. Yeah. Among other things, I think they were also freaked out that the Cardassians were allotting weapons, most of which got destroyed by the changelings. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but they were all former Federation, like or like not all of them, but a lot of them were former Federation colonists whose yeah colonies right. got given away. Yeah, in that awful, terrible, poorly thought out treaty of bad. Mm-hmm. It's bad times, yeah. Yeah, the, the, you know, we can thank uh, Jellico in part for that, right? <laughs> yep. He's the master negotiator. Get it done! <laughs> Dipshit. Oh, I have a great note here. I said, uh, Dukan is doing something different with his voice. Oh, he's being friendly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Kira hearts butts. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Many butts. Any sense of I, I have the best notes. Oh, I missed what the significance of the of the button on the end of the episode was. And I watched the episode twice, and both times I missed if it's a reference. When Kira says, oh, how are things going to work out with you and Zial living together? And he says, I'll let you know. I think he's expecting date number two. Yeah. That was my interpretation. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah I, it, he delivered it in such a way that it felt like someone had earlier in the episode said, I'll let you know. But either uh, I missed it, or he just read it in a way that made me think that. Yeah, that's I fair. I think it was a weird, a weird read no, no maybe on that line. Say again, Jake. I'm sorry. I said I just think it might have been a weird read on that line. I, I don't know if it was meant to be referential. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is the final line of the episode. We have to make it sound buttony, meaningfully. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, my wife! I think he's just a creeper. Be, my wife is going to be deeply cross. Yeah, because this like well, I'll this be relationship on the couch tonight. This relationship seems to at least probably predates his marriage because I looked it up. His oldest son is like eleven or twelve right now because he just had a birthday. Mm. That's in right. In a previous episode, girl, you are a tremendous nerd. Um, no, he, he wanted he, he, he wanted to bring it. he wanted to bring the kid to the amusement center, and I was very excited because I wanted to see some Cardassian balloons. <laughs> They've got little bumps all along the string. <laughs> yep. Oh my god, yay! <laughs> little spoon on the balloon itself. Speaking of spooning... <laughs> <laughs> do we want to talk about the next episode? Oh my. I do want to talk about the next episode. Yes. Hey, what an excellent hey, segue. That's a Caitlin's segue. full of Thank great you. segues. Doing full great, of Caitlin. something. Caitlin's doing Greatlin. Why did I say that? <laughs> I love you so much. I don't know, but guess what? I am not cutting that. That's the episode title. It might be the episode title, just to double like. Hey, listen, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. Hey. Hey, oh. Liz introduced me to what we do in the shadows last night, and goddamn, it's hilarious. Uh, You are right. It has nothing to do with what we were talking about. So our next episode, guys, is joined. Rejoined. Nope. Rejoined. Fuck. Sorry, I was too busy being... It was, I was thinking about spooning still. All right. So, <laughs> fuck. All right. So our next episode is Rejoined. And in Rejoined, uh, we find out a little bit more about a past Dax's life. Turns out some Trill scientists, specifically Dr. Hanor Pren and Lenara Khan, and Lenara Khan's brother, Bajel Otner, not sure if he's actually a scientist or like he's just a fucking hanger on or what. But they're coming to Deep Space Nine because they're going to try out some artificial wormhole creation. And that sounds great and everything, but it turns out that a previous Dax 
was totally married and like head over heels in love with a previous Lenara. Or no, a previous Kant. Kant. Sorry, a previous Kant. Because they can't use that name enough, apparently. They can't (laughs) use it enough. And back then, they were Nelani Kant and Tarias Dax, I believe. That's what my note. That's what my note yes. here says. Yes. Hopefully, I wrote it right. right. Um, anyway, but it turns out, first of all, that they still totally want a bone, and uh, you know they're both ladies now, so it's very titillating stuff for the '90s. We'll get to that later. But in Trill society, it's like totally forbidden to hook up with your past self's girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or wife or spouse or other. Anyway, um, it's called reassociation. And if you reassociate with your previous spouse, soulmate, lover, partner, etc., you can be exiled the fuck from Trill. And when your body dies, your symbiote has to die as well. Sorry, symbiont. So they're kind of fooling around and being really secretive and people are watching them and being creepy. And... Jadzia, in typical Jadzia fashion, is like, I want to go all the way with this. I don't give a fuck if I get exiled. I'm in love. At least it's not boys this time. It's actually like legit soulmate love shit. So it it's a little more, there's more credibility, I think. Mm, true. I mean, not that you can't fall in love with lots of people. Like, fucking knock yourself out, Dax. But, you know, just be a little more serious. She kind of talks to Cisco about it. She's like, yeah, but like, I'm really in love with her and I really missed her. And Cisco's like, well, you shouldn't do that. Think about it. And she's like, whatever, I do what I want. But then I don't really remember exactly what happened. Something happens with some of their equipment on the, is it on the Defiant that this happens? Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. So something kind of backfires with the equipment and there's like a warp core breach or I don't know, some really bad shit happens down in engineering where Lenara, Lenara, where Lenara is. And we're pretty sure she's going to die, but like Dax risks her life and like runs in and grabs her and saves the day. And honestly, I kind of thought that was going to be it. Like I was like, okay, there's been this breach, whole breach thing. So we're going to have a dead girlfriend. That's how we're going to get around this, that, you know, Dax isn't going to make this bad choice. But what actually happens is the girlfriend survives and is like, no, I'm not throwing away my life. Fuck this. And that's basically it. So no happy ending. Nobody feels good. Everything is sad. But they did actually artificially create a wormhole for a half a hot second, so I guess that's good. It looked like a big Dorito in space. Mm. Or maybe I just yeah, wanted Doritos. Yeah, it was Doritos. very Doritish. New oh. cool nebula flavor. Ooh. I don't have Doritos. I want Doritos now. Why did you say that? Yeah, oh, I, I wanted Doritos whenever I saw this wormhole. I was like, oh my god, Doritos <laughs> would be great right now. Well, I want chips, but I can't have chips because the mic will pick it up. So, oh, I know cool. it's like... Because there wouldn't be an episode, so let's just get it out of the way. But it does seem like maybe it would be easier to have the taboo be joined Trill can't marry to begin with. Not that was my question. Yeah, joined we... Trill can't get back together later. Because I understand the impetus to be like, yeah, joined Trill should not be, should not get back together because then they'll become this big powerful unit in Trill society and effectively only joined Trill will end up running the society. It reminded me a little bit of, uh, there's a show Jake and I watch called The Hundred, which is like every sci-fi show jammed together because every season is different. Um, and one of the later seasons, we meet these kind of legacy families who put their consciousness in new bodies over and over again. Mm. So their people think of them as gods because they live forever and they're always the same family units. So they just rule the people. And I I can see why they'd want to get rid of doing that with, with Trill Society. But then I also thought maybe, 
with trills, you just shouldn't let joined trills get together. Yeah, because there aren't that many, because they, you know, have been running that conspiracy for centuries that most people can't join anyway. Like, there's plenty of fish in the sea and not enough pork loins to go around. Ooh. <laughs> what? I've always maintained that the symbionts look like little pork loins. Delicious. Gross. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah. For Doritos. Um, go back to that. Hmm. But yes, again, that's like, that's a, you know, we wouldn't have an episode, you know, why is it the one thing the professor couldn't fix was the ship, blah, blah, blah. So it's really I don't know. It didn't. things. It didn't stand out to me in particular as, like, I didn't stop and think about it. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And, in, 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 you know, in terms of world bending, it wouldn't happen. Like, it, it sounded like something that would be, you know, uh, a bullshit taboo put forward by society for, for, you know, for a stated reason, even if that reason doesn't really make sense. That's kind of what society does all the time. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, so yeah, many well, of our taboos, if you think about it, it's just like, why are we bothered by that? It shouldn't be a problem and yet it is and becomes a scandal and then that makes you a pariah from society why couldn't they just accept it uh they don't want to yeah. well i think it's sorry go ahead jake you have i was gonna say i mean in. uh the whole episode to me felt like the most like as thinly veiled as you could make it like the <laughs> veil is one atom thick yeah about homosexuality right yeah you no. know and that taboo I mean, the, the writers, they originally wrote this episode with uh, Lenara being a male character. Mm-hmm. Huh. And but the, I still think that would have been about that, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day. I don't know. The, the writers, like, they, they state up and down that this is not an episode about homosexuality. This is an episode about love. And because and, and in the future, they don't care. And they don't bring it up once, which I give them a lot of credit for. Which is great. Don't bring up what? That you, mean Star Trek, you mean leadership. that like we, we're we're 20, 30, almost 30 years into Star Trek at this point, and this is the first same-sex relationship we see, and they have well, to couch it in former heterosexual relationships? Not even on that uh, meta very level. Very progressive Trek. Just... <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's fucking Do you know valid. how many like people complaining they had? They still had a ton of people complaining about it, though. Oh, yeah. But like, no, you're, like, in-world people were... The problem, again, wasn't that it was two women, it's that it was two joined women who well, had previously yeah. been an item. And I think it makes a certain amount of sense, too, though, because they both kind of reported that they were having trouble understanding if they were feeling what they were feeling, or if they were feeling something that was nostalgic, and if the point of the symbiont is, like, that they travel between bodies and between lives and just kind of keep gathering new information and new memories, like, I can see how that would be maybe even, like a mental health issue if you weren't able to really suss out what you were feeling, if it was really you, if it was related to a past you. I don't know. I don't, maybe, I don't, I don't know, I'm just thinking. Well, that's why it takes uh, so much testing to become a joined trill. I mean, I guess so, but... But yeah, there is, actually, there is in a way I was thinking that. It's like, God, so like, who's feeling this? Is it Jadzia? Is it Dax? Is it some combo of them? I'm gonna go with I, yes. I, I will yes. say this is uh, uh, clearly the key to Terry Farrell having good chemistry with a partner is to make it a woman, because mm-hmm. I think this is the first time I bought one of her one-off episode relationships. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and, Agreed. And I it think... was something that was totally different about everything about her. Like, I was watching the episode, and I actually said to Chris, like, 
Did they do something different to her? Did they, like, do something to actually, like, change her physically? Or is this just, like, what she actually looks like when she's acting and has chemistry? Yeah, like, this was, I think, the most natural she's been in a while. She had her hair mm. down for a while. Or her mm, hair in a, in, a, in a more down look. Yeah. I think part of it is definitely, this is an episode where we get to see Dax flustered. Usually Dax is very, you know, for whatever, for, for whatever reasons, you know, the way the writing is, the way, the way the character is written, and the way Terry Farrell plays Dax, Dax is always just sort of like cool, a bit aloof, always got, you know, eyebrow quirked ever so slightly, you know, a knowing mm. smirk on her face, yeah. um, making it you know, distant observations about other people's, you know, lives and relationships, you know, Dax, the people watcher, and just always being the know-it-all and the smartest person in the room. In this case, Dax doesn't know what's what, doesn't know how to react, doesn't know what to do. And so we're seeing a lot more expressiveness from her. Mm. I like that. Yeah, yeah I, don't know. I think I think Terry Farrell stepped up a lot in this episode Yeah, compared mm. to what we've seen yeah. of her. Yeah, the scene where she Before. confronts Cisco to be like, "What should I do?" stands out as one of one of like the better scenes with uh with with a partner that she has. Yeah. In that, you know, she's going to him looking for advice, yeah. not not really looking to hear what the advice is, but to just hear to have to have a friend to talk with her about what her options are. Mm. Which, which is that that was an, I really like that scene. Like, yeah. First of all, it was the other way around from what it usually is. Usually, Dax is sort of offering cool observations or whatever. Mm. But I liked, I liked that I've, it played out in a way that really made sense for, for sort of an advice scene with Cisco. Like, he's someone who, he understands culturally the gravity of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's been, he had been friends with Curzon for so long. He, he has, he had, like, he himself has a strong sense of duty and responsibility, but he also is probably the most intelligent, like, emotionally intelligent character on the station. Like he's yeah, actually also, healthy, you know, has a healthy sense of emotion. And, yeah, and I also and feel like feeling. it was in it was in this scene that Dax kind of changes her mind because all up through up until that scene, almost all of what she's doing is what we what we always hear from her is thinking about what other people are saying about Dax. Like there's all these there's a whole chunk of scene of people talking about Dax, which mm. was you know, the big thing I had wrong. Or the big thing that I thought was lackluster in the episode Dax was. It was everyone talking about her and not listening to what she wants. And in this episode with Cisco, Mm. she says, yeah, but what about what I want? And I'm like, yes, good. Let's do that for a fucking change. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's why if the writers are saying this was not supposed to be allegorical, then they're either full of shit. No, they are full of shit. (laughs) Definitely full of shit. Yeah. They might have just been trying to get past the um, the production. The yeah, yeah, because when you have... Exactly. So I can understand them being like, okay, well, yeah, but it's not really gay because they used to be married and they were boy and girl. But oh, now, yeah. you know, they're just falling back in love. You know, that that's all. You See, know it's great? not really gay. You know what's great is the Associated Press, among other entities, argue that this isn't a same-sex kiss, same-sex kiss because of the extenuating circumstances. Angels and yeah, but I mean, I'm not even like it could have been about any any couple, right? It's yeah. almost it, it reminds me a lot about a lot of um, the outcast in that way, yeah. where yeah. you know we're talking about a love that is forbidden by society, and like I feel like especially in this episode where you had like the brother being like it's not natural, mm. um, mm. and, and you know, which, was that the only reason he was there? But yeah, so basically, to be, to be a homophobe, yeah. you know? And, like, it's a, you know, I think 
you could read it technically as about any kind of taboo love, but because it was the mid-90s, like, and yeah. I feel like that was kind of when that movement was really starting to kick off in a big way. Like, if you made this episode in the 60s, maybe it was about interracial couples, mm-hmm. but they made yeah, exactly. it in the 90s, so you're like, yeah, this is, this is clearly about yeah. gay couples. Like, yeah, you, this can could be about ton, could, yeah. you can see a ton of parallels between this kiss and the kiss between Uhura and Kirk in Plato's Stepchildren, I think. Yes. yes. In term, yeah. And also Except in terms they... of the, the number of complaints that it got. Like, I know um, Rene Echevarro's mother told him, and he was one of the writers of the episode, Told him later on, it should have had a parental guidance warning at the top of the episode. I was scandalized. <laughs> oh, eat oh, ass. And then the kiss scene, of course, was edited out in the South. Oh, my what? God. Yeah. In the South of the United States? Mm-hmm. I know, that seems a stretch, right? Yeah. That's fucking ridiculous. Uh, Jesus Christ. People are dumb. But yeah, I mean, and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, well, well said. said. Yeah, I'm gonna cut that. <laughs> Will you though? No, no, I'm, gonna, I think... I'm gonna cut that. I'm gonna actually put in Caitlin's doing Greatlin a second time. <laughs> I'm gonna copy and paste it from earlier. Can we just make that our, our, our beep sound if we ever need to beep something for any reason? Caitlin's <laughs> <laughs> doing Greatlin. Well, see, now you've got a merch slogan, so like put that on a t shirt. Ah, You're welcome. I expect royalties. Shit, let's do it. Yeah, we'll see. Awesome. Caitlin's doing Greatlin. But yeah, no, writers can definitely claim up, down, left, right, and center that something's not about something, but once it's out in the wild, like, Tolkien insisted that fucking The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings weren't about the world wars, and it's like, yeah, okay, jur. Mm-hmm. Jur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <sighs> yeah, Does I that mean, mean that also... George R.R. Martin would just be grr? Yes. Mm-hmm. Jur and grr. No, you also got to think about, because we've seen the, like a very similar instance of this kind of love back in The Host, when yep. Bev was in love with, I want to say, Oberon? Oberon? Some, yeah, some trill guy. Like some trill guy. He was pretty. Um, who ends up in Riker's body and bangs her, and that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, then, God, I forgot they fucked when he was Riker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and dying. Shit. Good job, yeah, Bev. That's right. It's I forgot about that, too. Yeah. Oh, and awkward. dying? That's almost a ghost, right? Remember, this is... The seeds were already there. Oh, God. Listen, she's got a type. Don't let, don't let anyone say Beetlejuice three times around her. <laughs> no, do it. He's the ghost with the most. Even he'd like... It would be the opposite of the original movie, though. He'd be the one trying to get out of it in the end. That's right. <laughs> He's just like, it's... Please, I'm... It's like, I saw this thing on Facebook yesterday, apparently when a lioness is in heat. Oh god, yes, I just saw this too. um, I did not, please go on. They will apparently occasionally want it so much that the male lion is like, I'm done, and they'll start to walk away. So much, 20 to 40 times, like, a day. And so, there's this amazing (laughs) picture of a male lion walking away, not looking too happy, (laughs) <laughs> While the female lion, in an attempt to get his attention, is uh, biting his testicles. Yeah. And then they close up on this poor fucker's face, <laughs> and it's just like, death by schnoo schnoo. Oh, so, yeah, I feel like Bev would, Bev would be doing that to Beetlejuice, by the way. Biting his nuts? Well, no, but... I mean, doesn't... 
No. Like, I just picture, I picture him, like, bursting out of the bedroom, like, save me! He falls down, she, like, drags him back into the darkness while he claws at the floor. Nice. Are you making a fanfic right now in say, real time? I wish that we I were still did. in TNG times. You could write that. Oh, fuck, it's oh, too bad. I... Very, very quick Star Trek-related tangent, because I'm doing my research for our fanfics, which are coming up, so keep an eye out for those. I'm very excited. Ames, um, it's only July. Yeah, I've already gotten my mostly written. You can start in early September. What are you doing? No, lies. But no, I, I was looking up something or other, but I, and I happened to look up this old novelization of something, and there was a law, a subplot in which Mares, we love, as we know and remember and love Mares, no, no. does go into heat. Oh, oh so no. So in case anyone was curious, in a, novel, in a novelization, the, the Cations do have their females go into heat. I wasn't. Well, so a, it looks like it looked like uh, I don't know if any of you saw, but they they released a uh, a first look video this week of um, lower decks, lower decks, lower which dicks. looks like a real upper decker if you ask me. Mm. Um, they there's a cation. Yeah, oh, yeah. There is a cat person. Doesn't look anything like Mares. Well, they've updated the makeup. See, I don't know. It just looks like an, you know. A cat. It looks like from Cats, the movie. Well, to be fair, with no, the animation style, no, the people don't look like people either. It does not um, look a thing like those horrifying fucking so, monsters. So take maybe, I mean, based on based on the the few jokes that I've seen from that show, in you know the previews and in that first look thing, yeah, there'll definitely be an episode where the where the the cat goes into heat. Well, oh, no, 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 she's 100%. a lot. She's a lot older though, so she's probably already gone through Meno. Pause. Oh. Yes, I could write for that show. You could. You, you, yeah. you, you've officially graduated to writer for CBS All Access. If, if Someone is, send this to Kurtzman. If there actually is a Heat episode, I bet it'll be like guest directed by Seth MacFarlane. I can see that. Hmm. I like that, Ames, that you called talking about Star Trek the tangent on this Star Trek podcast. Well, it's about mm. TAS, which no one wants to talk about, thus it's That's a tangent. That's true. The, the actual thing that I think you, pro- you probably could have written better, Chris, with your amazing writing chops, Ooh. is the fucking, let's talk about what's happening with Dax, so we give all this exposition for, I'm guessing, the people who just joined us because they wanted to see more Worf. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that probably That's was really a concern true. for a while, huh? They were like, shit, we probably got some new people. We have to yeah, explain what the trill are. Yeah, they kind of re-explain things, yep. yeah. yeah. Well, it's also, trill? you know, you brought up uh, the host, mm. uh, and I just wanted to go back to that real quick. Oh, yeah, 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 We have to remember that that was Trill 1.0. Yeah, super different. Where it actually made more sense because the, the, the symbiont actually completely replaces the host's yeah, personality. Yeah, which, yeah, really begged the question of why would you sign up for that? Right. Like this, um, the, the Religious fanaticism. Version, yeah. Mm. Maybe it's a John Malkovich situation where you get to watch and they get to, and they just lead awesome, they promise to lead a really entertaining life. <laughs> and that's why Dax is always going out and fucking things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's more Curzon, but. Yeah. There's probably like some horrible dark secret about the trill. Yeah. Oh, more than certainly. More, even the, more dark. Secrets. Like they all get off on murder. <laughs> that actually did remind me, though. I wanted to bring this up earlier. We talked about the scene between her and Ben, and it's a mm. good scene. And he brings up salient points. You know, like say he's. I think Liz, you're the one who said it. Who is? He gets the culture, but he's also got emotional intelligence and all this. And he's like, oh yeah. 
Where was this Ben when she was gonna go live in Brigadoon? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> he hadn't he hadn't shaved the head yet, so it wasn't all there. The no. wisdom comes with the lack of the, hair. The you wisdom need to, needs to radiate out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The hair gets yeah. in the way. Otherwise, I, mean, I, guess, <laughs> I guess they thought in theory she would eventually come back from that, but still, like he was way too willing to be like, "All right, go off and fuck your space boyfriend in." Space. Oh yeah, because in, in, if she were off with her space boyfriend, the Trill, the symbiont, would still be alive. Right. In this, if, in this scenario, yeah. like she's basically weighing the the consequences of if I do this, I'm exiled, and the Dax symbiont will die. Yeah, I guess uh, to me, I feel like with Brigadoon, it was like a pretty big risk, you know, like like yeah, in theory, this is gonna be fine, but I'm not totally sure. So I feel like there should have been a little more reticence, but yeah. yeah. But I also, you know, that so that whole thing, you know, that, that they get exiled permanently and the symbiont also is exiled. I feel like over time, like considering the Trill have been doing this for a long time, mm. I could only assume that there are underground sim- symbiont shit. That well, they live is, in those caves, so they're already underground. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, like, if you Send need to hear... <laughs> like, I'm sure she could sell... The symbiont to oh, someone whoa. like that. Someone like Black that market dude. symbiont shit. Yeah. You this know, is how people like Jaran get could the hook symbionts. It up, yeah. You know? Well. That guy that tried to steal the symbiont, you know, la- you know, last season or two. Um yeah. you know, he would he'd have bought it. Yeah. That would be an interesting sort of concept of social schism or cultural schism with with Trill if some just decided they didn't want to be part of mainstream Trill society and were just like, well, if they're not going to let us, you know, find find the next host and we'll find our own, then maybe they're not Trill. Mm. And just sort of, like, institute their own screening program, I guess. Yeah. Well, like, I we already know the Symbiosis Commission's full of shit. So mm. much shit. Yeah. Uh, and probably very corrupt. Super. Don't let them in the Federation. Too late. They're already there. I mean, let's be honest. Let's look at the Federation. Most of the Federation shouldn't be in the Federation. Look at humans. We're the worst. Vulcans are assholes. Andorians, shady bastards. Tellarites are the most trustworthy of the founding species. Yeah, they're all right because they can't see out of those tiny high holes, so they don't have they don't have the the capacity (laughs) to like make all these schemes by looking. That's what they don't want you to know, though, is that trill symbionts are actually a cut of meat. From a Tellarite. <laughs> They're Tellarite loin. <laughs> That's a callback because Chris Amazing. said they look like pork, pork loin. loin yeah. Tellarites yeah. look kind of pig-like. That's, yeah, Get it. that's real good. Oh, wow. We Listeners, made... uh, since you can't see our screens, let me tell you, Ames is dying inside. <laughs> no, no, I'm reading my notes because oh. I'm ignoring Jake entirely. You, you really looked like you were just like... The last bit of your soul was finally just escaping through your ear. I'm wearing uh, headphones, so I can't. I just want to bring it up. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dax was suddenly a magician. Oh yeah! <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, Tolkien oh, yeah, was that, a magician. That, that. Latinum out of her asshole and out of Quark's ear, and were we literally else? making jokes about pulling stuff from out from behind Ferengi ears like two weeks ago or something? Awesome. I actually <laughs> think you might be right. So it was amazing to see it. That's all. I just wanted to bring it up. There's well, the other thing too is like they were like it. the lamest magic tricks too, right? Like, yeah, what's that great. behind your ear? Yeah, Ooh, it's like it's like the stuff that would that would fool a, a five year old. 
but Quark is mesmerized well, by Quark it. Quark has which... never seen magic before, I bet. Apparently. Ferengi yeah, no. love magic. She teleported it, didn't she? Yeah, he, he's never seen sleight of hand before. I, I guess it makes a weird kind of sense that they wouldn't. Yeah, there probably isn't a lot of entertainment on well, Ferengi. Yeah, but you'd think that like sleight of hand from... is important for like pickpocketing and stuff, and we know mm-hmm. Ferengi would be into that. Yeah, they have way more legal ways of stealing from each other. Yeah, I was gonna say. Also, though, the problem with sleight of hand is usually you have to like pull the quarter from behind the kid's ear and then you give it to the kid. Like, oh, is this yours? (laughs) (laughs) Frankie, you're never gonna fucking do that. (laughs) Looks like you got latinum behind your ear, Johnny. Find out, bitch. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is. It is funny. I mean, again, it makes. Yeah. My only other note of any import (laughs) that I thought was lovely actually was that. And it sort of grows on the Julian and uh, Jedzia as bosom buddies thing is that he agrees to go on this like awkward can't be a date thing between Jedzia and Lenara and is literally like falling asleep at the fucking table listening to them going on and on about the good old days. But he never fucking complains. He takes off the first chance he gets, but he's a good friend. It was a little bit Mm. goofy to me. Oh, it was, uh, totally. I mean, yeah, but, another, I, but I agree. Another that weird was... tonal thing, right? Mm. It was a bro move, though. I agree. Like, yeah. that yeah, was as much as this episode, As much as this episode kind of illustrates the growth that the Dax character has had, that scene il- illustrates the growth that the, you know, fuckface has had, you know? Fuckface. <laughs> Julian. Julian, fu- yeah. Julian fuckface Julian. Bashir? No, it's nice because... He used because... to be Julian fuckboy Bashir. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Jake. <laughs> No, it's nice because yeah, I know in, the, man. in the scene yeah. with Cisco, Jadzia says, oh, Dax has never had a friend like you. And I'm like, but Julian was just being a great friend to you by being your chaperone so that you wouldn't look weird in front of your girlfriend. Come on. Well, yeah, but mm-hmm. they don't have like a spanning lifetimes friendship yet. Mm. Yeah. And I also yet. think that the, um, you know, I, the musical number at that moment was a little out of place, I thought. Oh, no. What is Jadzia you know, reference? Like, you never had a friend like me. Uh, <laughs> damn it. Uh. So anyway, is 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 Alexander sitting on cameo? Could we get him to sing that for like a hundred bucks or something? He has um like weekly Zoom parties yeah. with fans and Two and also week, Andrew Robinson. Yeah, so yeah. you could probably get him to. Sing. <laughs> they actually, I guess I I meant to share it on the Facebook, but I forgot. I don't know how spoilery it is because I haven't listened to it yet, but. Him and Robinson recently did a performance of a fan script of like Oh, that's right. Julian, yeah, I watched it. Julian and Garrick 25 years later. Can we please ten forward that? Yeah, but we should probably I mean, Ames, are there a ton of spoilers in it? Should we wait till the show's over? I don't remember there being a ton of spoilers in it, no. Well we could do I, it at the end anyway. So that's a fan script, right? Not the uh not the not the two man show script that No, it's not the Nexus. Andrew Robinson. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. It, was, it was a fan thing. Got it, got it. Well, that's cool because I haven't watched it. Yeah, I think that I think it's I think there's m- multiple episodes now. I've only watched the first one. Ooh. But anyway, on this episode, the last thing I wanted to bring up is the last scene is done really, really well because yes, yeah. previously you know Jadzia says something to the effect of "If you leave, I know you're not coming back," and then the last scene is entirely free of dialogue. And it's just watching what happens, and then you see her leave, and you know that means she's not coming back, because that's what we'll yep. see in the previous scene. But they don't need to say a single word to make it really clear and really heartfelt. And I thought yeah. you really watch, like, Dax dying inside. Yep. Yeah, it's really I, effective. 
Terry I really like really broad one. this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think well, Caitlin, you, you I think you mentioned it in your summary just you know where it looked like we were going to go to the the direction of the of of the barrier gaze trope that we were going to yeah. watch Khan die. And that would be how it, how it resolved. But I but I was really I was pleasantly surprised to see that they took the harder way out. That it was yeah. it was just a deliberate decision on the part of one of the characters who just couldn't who who couldn't bear it out. Who just you know backed yeah, away for very high. reasonable fears. Well, yeah. Yep. And this is another argument that it definitely is about homosexuality because I feel like that's sort of a common trope story where, you know, yeah. we don't care what anyone says, we're going to leave home and make it on our own and one of them goes the distance and one of them's like, just kidding, I'm going to go and do the easier thing. Bye. Mm-hmm. I wept like a lover and obeyed like a son. What, what's that? No what's idea that from? What that, is. that was a real quote from, I can't think of his name. And it, it, it basically this guy who's now like a well-regarded historical figure and author, like basically wanted to marry a woman well below his class, and his father was like, "I will cut you off." And so he was like, "Oh, well, I'd rather be rich." <laughs> and his his justification there was, I, "I wept like a lover and obeyed like a son." That was the other Whatever taboo that I was thinking yourself, of when buddy. I watched this. The other taboo, I was like, like I was like when I when I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, what other you know, what other taboo could be compared, you know, besides besides like homosexuality and it was, well, well, of course, fisting. class classism. Yes, <laughs> that is another that is another taboo that this entire episode could admit about. Mm, um, yeah. But like classism was the closest I could come besides besides you know a same sex romance. But arguably, there is no barrier there because they're both like joint. Oh no no I'm not I'm not talking about like in the story. No, I'm not like talking in about terms in the story. Like allegories. In terms oh, of allegory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because okay. there was because, you know, the writers are saying, well this isn't we didn't set out to write a queer story. We didn't set out to write a gay story. We just set out to mm-hmm. write a story and, you know, in this case, you know, it just happened to be same sex. It's like, well, okay, what you know, aside from the fact that it obviously fits really well as a gay story, what else could it be? You know, depending on on time period, the cultural setting, where you know, like what place in the world classism had had a strong enough pull that 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 also could be the case. Yeah, it just yeah. it's just so removed from the modern world. Like we, you know, we couldn't conceive of it, but maybe like someone in like high society and you know in the eighteen yeah. hundreds. Well, I mean, but also let's look at you know Prince Harry deciding to marry um, Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle, a papa. I mean, like they managed. To pull it off, but like if it had been William, it probably would have been a lot different. Yeah, well, and even even Harry ultimately has said, "Fuck." What it about and that? To uh, right, that's uh, true. Then that Nazi fuck king that had to abdicate because Edward the Eighth. Uh, yeah. Oh, because he married, married an actress. He married a an actress, or like a, she wasn't lo- a, she a wasn't, lowly American bitch. She, she wasn't an actress. Markle's an actress. Oh, oh. I thought. Um, she, or she was a socialite, or yeah, something, Mrs. Right? Simpson yeah. was a socialite and. Already Wallace, multiple divorce, yes, yeah. and already multiple divorce at that point. But listen, yeah, it, it, it all was worked scandalous. out. Because yeah. then we got the King's Speech, yeah. which rocks. And yeah, yeah. and also uh, we didn't, was, and you know, there wasn't a fucking fascist king in charge of England that, during World War II, which is probably uh, is a good thing. That would have been very bad. Well, right, well I think have, we've hit about everything. Oh, you know what I neglected to mention. Mm. That this episode was directed by Avery Brooks. Oh and shit! Yes. Discretion was directed by LeVar Burton. Oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. 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 
bar. They had, they had to drag him out in that desert where it was a hundred degrees. That's dumb. Uh, well, you know, at least at least with his um, with his visor, the sun wasn't getting his eyes. Uh, <laughs> See, I was gonna say the opposite. What, which was at least he didn't have to wear the fucking visor. Mm. But either way, either way, one of us is right. Now, I'm pretty sure whenever Lavar is doing anything related to Star Trek, he's required by contract to wear the visor. <laughs> well, up until or put, or put in the weird contacts yeah. to make his eyes look. Robot yeah, yeah, and the little bleepy it, lights on the side of his temples. Yes, at this point it would have been the visor. This is pre... Oh, speaking of tech, last thing. Apparently force fields have friction. Yeah, you can just walk on them. <laughs> which I, I oh. thought... Yeah, I would have thought she would have just slid right the fuck down. Yeah, like that was weird. That was the one thing. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, no. Those things don't have friction. Stop it. I don't know. It was an interesting choice. I kind of buy it. I mean, I buy that you could walk on it, but the fact that it wasn't level and that yeah. she was able to... It was a hill. Yeah. Although, I, I, I guess a hill and a holodeck's a force field. That's true. That's true. Oh, hmm. That's a good point. Well. But I also thought that she took her goddamn sweet time getting down there, especially when yeah, they're like, she's it's like, gonna give, blow! Just give me ten seconds! And then, like, and then she, like, dun, walks like a 90-year-old on dun, ice. She wasn't there. even wearing Kira's high heels or anything. Maybe it was for that girl. Mm. All right, I think we've done everything we can do here. Uh, well, if you enjoyed what you just heard and you'd What's like to hear more, you? you can subscribe to A Star to Steer Her By, where all fine podcasts are sold. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for A Star to Steer Her By. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr as at SSHB Podcast. We are also on the internet at SSHBpodcast.com. And yeah, that's our Tumblr page right now, but someday it'll grow up and be a real boy, by which I mean a real website. Because you say this, it never will. That's fine. <laughs> I don't mind being wrong. One day we're just going to make it just just cross-linked to Pornhub. It doesn't? It, no, it's, uh, it's, it's a fisting fetish site. Uh, oh, okay. That's taboo. Everything. That sounds really... See, this is what I'm saying, that the other taboo, fisting. Especially if you're Popeye. Oh. It's actually called A Data's Full of Fist. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 All right. Oh, uh, well, I have been Caitlin. <laughs> this has been Jake. This has been Chris. This has been Ames. And this is currently Liz. Hooray! Oh, cool. I also forgot to mention that we'll be back next week. We'll talk about two more episodes. Starship what? Down and Little Green Men. Yes! And as Yay. usual, I don't have a rule of acquisition. We've really been light on those lately, so sorry. It's because of there all that been, Latinum. There hasn't been any in the show, yeah. All that Latinum in your head. <laughs> rule number 286. If you think you see something behind a Frangie's ear, it's definitely gold-pressed Latinum. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's good. Three, two, one. That was better. Okay, good. Hmm. I, like how, I like how Caitlin pantomimed a clap. <laughs> Yay! I'm trying she to be. I was I'm trying to. My job. You just want to fit in. Well, no, it's Chris was coming early. That's why. Whoa! Hey! <laughs> hey. Yeah. Hey, hey now. All right.